The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good afternoon and welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community. Your host is Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. This hour is designed to inspire, inform, and to help you live better with cancer. Now, here's your host, Kim Tibaldo. Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, an internet radio show that focuses on informing and inspiring people to live well with cancer. I'm Kim Tivaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. The Wellness Community and Gildas Club have united to become the Cancer Support Community, one of the largest providers of cancer support in the United States and around the world. Our services are offered at more than 170 locations worldwide and online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. As a healthy, happy 39-year-old mother with uh, no family history of breast cancer, being being diagnosed with cancer rocked her world. Uh, Having worked as a nurse, a social worker, a child development specialist for 15 years, she was trained to heal, but in her role as a patient, the healing process became personal. This is the story of Holly Jacobs, a dear friend of the cancer support community, a past guest on our show, and the author of The Silver Lining, a supportive and insightful guide to breast cancer. We're so thrilled to have Holly back on the show today. She is a true inspiration to anyone who has ever been affected by cancer. Holly's a breast cancer survivor and author of the Silver Pen blog. She also has a background as an adult and pediatric palliative care nurse, a social worker, and a child development specialist. Holly's book, The Silver Lining, a supportive and insightful guide to breast cancer, debuted in March and is now a New York Times bestseller that combines the perspectives of being a patient, a professional, and a clinician. Uh, The book really sheds light on the cancer experience and offers support and optimism to patients and caregivers alike. It is a beautiful book, and I want to thank you for coming back on the show, Holly, to talk about it. Oh, thanks for having me, Kim. It's great to be with you again, always. We're um, excited to hear what you've been up to. Um, Holly, as we said the last time you were a guest on our show, um, since that time, you've released your book, The Silver Lining. Um, tell us about uh, the book to our listeners who may be hearing about uh, your book for the first time. Tell our listeners about the book uh, and really what makes it uh, unique among really a lot of books that are out there on cancer and healthcare. Well, this is the book that I wish I had when I was going through the cancer experience. Um, I was looking for, shortly after my diagnosis, I was looking for something that was simultaneously informative but also hopeful. I wanted something that was very honest but also supportive. And I also wanted something that was clinically 
incredible. In other words, written by somebody who was in the healthcare field who had also become a patient, as well as something that was visually beautiful. And that book simply didn't exist until now. And it is a, a combination of uh, two aspects. The, each chapter is divided into two segments. The first half is my memoir with boxes of what I call lifelines um, interspersed throughout. And the lifelines are the things that I wish I had known, the things that helped me, or the things that didn't necessarily work. And then the second half of each chapter is what I call practical matters, because I'm sure as many of your listeners know, when you have cancer, the practical really does matter. And so that part of each chapter is literally bullet points of information, the list of questions to take to every doctor's appointment, what to pack for chemo, what to take to the hospital, how to help with needle phobia or talking with kids. It's, it's literally bullet points of information because what I found when I was in the middle of it, it there was so much was overwhelming, and I literally just wanted bullet points. Tell me what I need to know to get through this appointment or a day. So this is the book I wish I had. It's terrific. It really is terrific. And I can attest to the fact that it's a, a beautiful and, and a wonderfully written book and also very visually appealing, which we'll talk about in a little while. Um, the last time we had you on the show, um, Holly, the book hadn't launched yet. I knew about the book and I knew that uh, this was something that we were looking forward to. But at that time, you were blogging uh, with your blog, The Silver Pen. So what what first of all inspired you to start blogging from your cancer experience and then what inspired the transition from sort of blogger to author I started the silver pen as literally a way to keep family and friends updated on what was happening to me and from the get go I didn't want to just write a cancer blog. You know, I didn't want my life to be defined by cancer, so I started writing about living with cancer, and that included topics such as traveling. You know, on days when I was too sick, sometimes I traveled virtually. Uh, uh, child development, recipes, books, fashion, kind of how to live with cancer. Mm-hmm. And my blog posts specifically related to uh, my cancer experience were written through the lens of my my professional experiences as a nurse and a social worker and a child development specialist. So in other words, I didn't just write about having a porta cath placed, which is where chemo goes. I wrote about what it looks like, what it feels like, how specifically it works. And um, I, I did that also utilizing my patient education experience. And what that means is um, as a nurse in the hospital, I would literally translate really complicated um, medical information for my patients and say, okay, this is how you understand this procedure or what is about to happen to you. And so in a short period of time, the blog unexpectedly went viral, and people were saying to me, you're giving me a voice for which I don't have words, or people on kind of the flip side of the same coin were saying, now I have some semblance of understanding of what my loved one is going through. So people were saying, oh, you got to turn the blog into a book. And I thought, oh, gosh, that sounds like a really overwhelming and daunting uh, thing to do. And I kind of don't need to. But 
my very dear friend, uh, Elizabeth Messina, who's a photographer, photographed me throughout my experience. And she did so as a gesture of friendship. And she photographed me at chemo one day. And what I realized is that we had the opportunity to demystify the experience for people by combining my voice through my words and my experiences as a healthcare professional and as a patient, along with Elizabeth's vision through her photography to help people know what to expect when they're going in it. And as you know, Kim, the the photographs are not... um, scary. They're not Mm -hmm. clinical. Our intention was that they become very uh, relatable and accessible for people. So much of of what I remember as uh, a nurse and what I know today is that people are, tend to be most frightened of that which they don't know. So by being able to tell people and what to expect and to hold their hand through the experience, it helps make the experience a little bit more bearable. Now, it's still chemo, obviously, but by knowing what to expect, it it helps take away a little bit of that fear. Was it, Holly, turning from, you know, the blog, which is, you know, which is a snack, (laughs) to the book, which is a, you know, a multi-course meal, um, was it it overwhelming for for you at at certain points, kind of recounting some of what you went went through? Was it emotional? Was it therapeutic? Was it, what was that process like for you? Yeah, it was was kind of all of All of that. Yeah. You know, when I was writing the blog, I, I literally, I wrote about what I wanted to write about at the time, and I still do every every single day. So if something's interesting or something's going on, then I'll write about it. And um, I didn't do so with any uh, sort of uh, intention. However, when it came to writing the book, first of all, I was slightly delusional. <laughs> I thought that, oh, I'll just turn the blog into a book, and it's not that at all. It's I would say some of the stories are obviously the same. They don't change, but by sitting down to literally write a book and to put pen to paper and recount stories that happened that were really, really difficult at times was very intense. And I was much more thoughtful and I think organized and structured in my approach to writing the book. So I almost put on my patient education hat and thought, okay, this is this is a book I wish I had that I'm writing. And they, people need to know about my experiences. So I was writing about my challenges and my experiences as I was going through it while simultaneously saying, okay, if I'm sitting down, you know, with a girlfriend and who's just been diagnosed, how am I going to help her utilizing those clinical experiences? So I had to go kind of um, be on both sides of the bed at the same time. And it was definitely uh, challenging, but it was also very therapeutic to be able to really process um, the experiences. And and that's something that is so incredibly important uh, to process the cancer experience after it's done. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, well, it's quite an undertaking to do that for sure. And, um, and now the book is now on the New York Times bestseller list, so we congratulate you for that. Certainly well, 
well deserved. Um, it's a, but ex- exciting news nonetheless. Certainly, um, so exciting. We, it is really <laughs> exciting. You know what? Um, so yeah. what what makes me so happy about that status is it it tells me that there was such a void in the the breast cancer space for a book such as that. And it also helps, I think, get it to people who, you know, might be a little bit skeptical, acknowledging the fact that there are so many breast cancer books on the market. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a, a great feedback. Um, Holly, we've only got a minute or two uh, till, our, uh, till our first break here, but you've been out across the country. You've been doing speaking engagements. You've been at some of our cancer support community centers. Um, what's the response been to the book? What's it like out there really talking to folks? It is giving me so much joy, despite my um, bloodshot eyes from <laughs> the jet lag of being in a metal tube for the past four months. <laughs> Be, the, being with people who are either going through the experience or who have had the experience brings me so much joy. And to have people say that this book is helping me so much is what it's all about. And, and I feel so incredibly grateful um, to be able to help people as they go through this experience. I know, um, uh, uh, just quickly, but I know we had a great event in Philadelphia where women came from all over the city and they would just wanted to, I think they wanted to share with you. They just felt so connected to you. It was, oh my gosh, it was so fabulous. And I love hearing stories and, and the feedback and giving and receiving gigantic hugs and smiles. I mean, it is just, it's, it's so invigorating. Yeah, I, yeah, it was. I, I uh, have very fond memories of of that evening, and it was I just so loved, much fun. loved. Yeah, it was. It was a great time. It was. It was a great time. Uh, we're talking to Holly Jacobs today, author of The Silver Lining: A Supportive and Insightful Guide uh, to Breast Cancer. The book is now on the New York Times bestseller list, and uh, it, and it is uh, deserved of that uh, of that accolade. So I encourage you to to. Uh, to get a copy of it, and, and uh, we've got some copies here at Cancer Support Community that we're getting out to folks as well, so we can talk about that a little bit later in the show. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. I'm Kim Tebaldo. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer. It's a lonely word. Terms I don't understand. Choices I never thought I'd have to make. But there is hope and help. Support from cancer survivors. Links to research and clinical trials. Help with finances and access to care. All behind you at Breakaway from Cancer. Created by Amgen to empower cancer patients. The cancer support community is proud to be a partner of Breakaway from Cancer. I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the health care process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. People living with breast cancer often find it difficult to ask for help, and many of the people in their lives want to help but don't know how. During National Breast Cancer Awareness Month, Cancer Support Community is proud to support Meal Trains sponsored by Magnolia, which utilizes Mealtrain.com, a free shared online calendar to streamline the process of giving and receiving meals for families coping with breast cancer. 
Help us reach our goal of 1,000 new breast cancer-specific meal trains this October. To learn more, visit Mealtrain.com MMT and enter the code MAGNOLIAB or visit us at CancerSupportCommunity.org. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, sponsored in part today by Azi, Genentech, and Amgen. I'm Kim Tibaldo, and today we're joined by Holly Jacobs. Uh, Holly's been a past guest on our show uh, and is joining us today. She is the author of The Silver Lining, A Supportive and Insightful Guide to Breast Cancer, now a New York Times bestseller. Um, Holly, we talked before the break uh, uh, um, about the book, and I just, um, you know, I, I'd love to just hear a little bit more of sort of your experiences from the road. Um, I uh, mentioned that you were um, uh, with our folks in, in Philadelphia for a, a beautiful event, and uh, we had such a, we had a sort of a standing room only event for folks coming uh, coming out to hear you and talk with you and um, and get a copy of the book. Um, I know you've been to many other cities around the country. Can you just give us a give us a little bit of a summary from the road, some of your interactions with patients and families, and what that has been like for you? It has been such a joy to be able to to be on the road. I I, I was looking forward to it because um, you know writing is a very isolating experience, mm-hmm. and so I was so excited to be able to go out and meet people who had either read the blog and were excited about the book, or uh, you know new friends. And I my hopes and dreams have have been far surpassed. I, I could not have imagined how um, joyous is truly the word that just keeps coming to my mind. It would mm. be to be able to meet people from all walks of life, from all different um, socioeconomic backgrounds, cultural backgrounds, and to be able to come together and have such common, shared experiences, and to be able to find hope and inspiration from one another. I mean, I I can't begin to tell you how fueling and energizing and exciting every single event is, and every single person I have met, I have enjoyed immensely, and I love the fact that so many people share their stories with me. 
I think that storytelling and sharing stories is incredibly important and therapeutic and cathartic, and it also helps me, um, you know, as I as I get on the next plane to the next time zone, um, really sort of know that that there is such um, incredible inspiration and, and true energy in in this work, and um, I'm, I feel just so incredibly grateful to to be the person who's been able to do this. I know that, uh, that your, your uh, husband and your daughter were out with you um, a little bit on the tour. Um, what was that experience like with them? What was the experience like um, you know, for your daughter sort of seeing you in this, uh, you know, in this role, in a speaking role, and folks wanting to come and talk and, and, and sharing? Kind of what's her understanding of the project? with me every step of the way, and um, we wanted to bring her on part of the tour, my husband and I did, to to be able to see the impact, because so much of this is is truly my way of, of giving back. For whatever reason, I was put in this place of having all this clinical experience and then being diagnosed with the disease and to be able to give back I think is so incredibly important and it's it's also important to role model that for young children and I've actually had quite a few children come to uh, different events around the country so um, for the first the first leg of it our daughter was incredibly engaged she actually spoke a couple of times and um, and loved it and then toward the end she's kind of done <laughs> totally honest with you, um, because it is, it has taken me away from her, and that's really challenging, and we're very close, and she's also sort of tired of hearing me talk about cancer, you know, she's, she's ready to move on, I'm not talking about cancer in general, but talking about my experience with cancer, and so that's been hard, and we've had to, to process that, and, and, um, she's eight now, I was, she was four and three quarters when I was diagnosed, um, so it's it's sort of that incredibly um, uh, prideful and excitedness that she has for it, and also she's kind of ready to have her mom back and just back to kind of her normal life. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, kids like their they like their routines. Love their I I do too, by the way. <laughs> As a matter of fact, um, we've got to we've got to put a word in about uh, about your terrific husband Jeff and his uh, involvement in and support of this project. Absolutely, and he he so um, in the book and on the blog, um, I refer to him as the Hottie H O T Y, which stands for Husband of the Year, <laughs> and uh, he's he's uh, the the Hottie uh, thirteen years running actually, and he has been so incredibly uh, supportive, both emotionally. Practically, um, he, he he says that he's the, the factotum, which he's so much more than that, but everything from arranging travel and orchestrating, helping to orchestrate events and flow of events and, and really protecting me too because I get, I get, uh, I go into this place before I speak and I, um, I listen to music and I just, you know, go to this preparedness. And so he would always find places for me to do that, to get my head where exactly where I needed to be and was truly um, protective in the most loving sense of the word. And I 
have to say that after this experience of writing the book and then um, distributing the book, we're we're closer than we've actually ever been, and um, and I, I just feel so grateful for that because it's it's definitely taken taken a toll on our family in terms of of my availability and and um, physical and mental presence. So yet again, he is he has taken up the the slack and he acknowledges how important this is and how determined we are to get this into the hands of the people who really need it. That's great. That's great. Um, Holly, in the first segment, you mentioned your friend um, Elizabeth Messina, and I know she uh, photographed you throughout your cancer experience and also took the photographs that are in uh, that are in the book. Tell us about Elizabeth, about your relationship with her, and and I think there are probably a lot of people listening saying, "Oh dear, <laughs> the last thing I really want to do is be photographed when I'm going through this." So, right. yeah. So, so, so tell us about that experience. Oh, I'd be happy to. So Elizabeth is a dear friend and and really incredible photographer, and she came over shortly after I had my double mastectomy, and and we're sitting on my sofa and. Um, she, she's looking at my chest. She said, so what do they look like? And you um, you pretty much lose all dignity. And, and um, I would take my shirt off for just about anyone right now. And I said, oh, you want to see? And she said, yeah. So I pulled my tank top down. She said, oh, they're beautiful. And I thought, well, I don't know about that, but okay. And she said, I'd like to photograph you. And you also lose all frontal lobe function that, that regulates common sense because I said, okay, <laughs> you know, it was just crazy. And so she photographed me a week later, and it was really amazing. She gave me this incredible gift because when I looked at the photograph of me from my chin down to my tummy, I thought, my first thought was literally, who is this? Because when I looked in the mirror, the reflection that I saw was of mutilation and scarring and cancer and disease. But the image that she took of me, which she didn't Photoshop, by the way, I asked her, was one of beauty and shape and femininity. And so she gave me this incredible gift of seeing that, of helping me see that underneath the disease and the treatments that that I was still me and I was I was full of life and that after this experience I would I would come back. And she shot me at it photographed me at the very worst of times when I was a complete and total bald skeleton. And each and every time she sent images to me, she reiterated that that um, uh, conviction that I needed to just hold on and know that I could come back and I would be back because underneath it all, I was I was still very much there. And it was as I mentioned in the first segment when she photographed chemo. It really occurred to me that we had this great opportunity to combine my voice and her vision to create a book that would really help people through this experience that wasn't overly clinical, that was accessible and relatable and and visually beautiful. I mean, I think one of the things that I looked for and, and had such a hard time finding when I was in the bottomless pit of chemo despair was femininity and softness and um, and and beauty and so the the cover of the book is actually a teacup it happens to be my my grandmother's teacup and um, and it, it's something that 
I, I happen to think that it, that it is a beautiful image that can sit on your nightstand so that if you're awake in the middle of the night and you're, you know, with insomnia and hot flashes and nausea, you can pick it up and find some comfort there. You know, another, a girlfriend who has been through a comparable experience and who also has some helpful hints to, to help you through that. Um. I think that uh, I think that Elizabeth's photographs do really add that real that element, that accessible element, and sort of demystifying things um, um, to the book. So I congratulate her and you um, on uh, on uh, such a such a beautiful book. We've only got a quick minute here, Holly, until our next break. But um, so the title of the book is Silver Linings, looking for silver linings. So as you've been out uh, on the road for months and and on this book tour. Uh, a couple of insights, a couple of silver linings that you uh, discovered along the way through the travel and the uh, and the jet lag. Right, I think that the, the best silver linings, and I mean, literally on the days when I'm you know schlepping through the airport and flights are delayed, and I'm worried about getting to a talk, and you know, a lot of a lot of stress and pressure comes along with um, writing, publishing, and, and distributing a book. But I would always find silver linings in the people I met the stories they would share, the, the, the fact that um, they, they would tell me stories about how specifically the book was helping them through it or how grateful they were to have something, um, a, a book that they could give as a gift. You know, the number of girlfriends who would say, I feel so helpful now because I'm able to give this and I know that it's going to help my sister, my girlfriend, my mom. And just to know that the book is doing everything that I hoped it would do by helping everyone who's impacted by cancer. I mean, that to me is the greatest silver lining of all and, um, and, and truly was my biggest hope and dream. Terrific. Terrific. This is frankly speaking about cancer. We're talking today with Holly Jacobs, author of The Silver Lining, a supportive and insightful guide to breast cancer. We're going to take a quick break here. We've got a lot more to talk about. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Your life, your health, your network. Voice America Health & Wellness. Cancer Support Community is proud to be a partner of Magnolia Meals at Home, a new pilot program that aims to help patients by providing nourishing meals to households affected by breast cancer so loved ones can spend more quality time together. This program is currently available in and around two pilot cities, Andover, Massachusetts and Woodcliffe Lake, New Jersey. Participants will receive one delivery of meals every month for up to six months when enrolled in the program. Each delivery includes up to seven meals designed to help meet the nutritional needs of people living with breast cancer and 10 meals for family members. This novel program is brought to you by the Azi Women's Oncology Program, Magnolia. Cancer Care, the Cancer Support Community, and Meals on Wheels Association of America. To find out if you or loved ones are eligible, visit online at www.magnoliamealsathome.com or call 617-733-5848. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. 
The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer, sponsored today in part by AstraZeneca, Millennium, the Takeda Oncology Company, and Purdue Pharma. I'm Kim Tebaldo, and today we're with Holly Jacobs, blogger, author, breast cancer survivor, and adult, and pediatric palliative care nurse. Um, Holly, you, you have such a unique perspective, having been on the patient side and the clinician side of the, um, of the cancer experience, and I think that is one of the, one of the unique and valuable um, kind of views and filters that you bring to the book and to the conversation. Um, what have you learned from being uh, a, a patient that can help you um, and others in the healthcare field to better treat people living with cancer now that you've been on the, the patient side? What advice, what tips, uh, what insights would you give to healthcare providers? It was interesting. Would I give to healthcare providers? Yes, yes. Okay, that's great. It was, you know, it, it, moving from the side of the bed as a nurse and social worker into the bed just gave me this whole new perspective on the patient experience. And, you know, this perspective, it, it just can't be taught in medical education. You know, learning it firsthand, I think, was, just gave me this whole new insight. And I think that healthcare professionals really need to have a better understanding and awareness of the emotional impacts that a diagnosis has on a person and his or her family. It's so incredibly hard to describe. And the thing of it is, 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 you know, I'm kind of wearing both hats at the same time when schedules are tight and timing is tough and reimbursements and there's so many issues on the clinician's side of the desk that, um, that really make it, make it very challenging to kind of cover everything. But I think that improving communication skills slowing conversations down, even just to take a breath, to be able to make sure that a patient understands what's happening. Because, as I was saying earlier, so much of the fear comes from the unknown. And patients feel intimidated so much of the time sitting across the desk from a doctor wearing a lab coat and a stethoscope. You know, that is a very intimidating experience for many people who are thrust into this world of medical jargon and um, a fast-paced environment. So healthcare professionals, I think, can really have the opportunity to improve communication and also to be able to just stop and assess whether or not a patient understands what is happening, you know, at a given moment. 
Do you think that your background in healthcare and your knowledge when you were diagnosed with cancer was an advantage, a disadvantage, or maybe a little bit of both? It was, without a doubt, it was, it was an advantage. I mean, that was very much of my coping mechanism was mm-hmm. to sort of put on my clinical hat. And when I was feeling scared and anxious and confused, I literally would put on my uh, kind of my virtual scrubs that I wore in the hospital and say, okay, how would I help a patient in a comparable situation? You know, what would I say or do for that person? And that helped me so much of the time give myself a snap out of it moment, you know, to be able to think through something and to be able to think clearly. And um, that was so helpful, helpful for me. Um, and, and I also really knew what to expect. Now, the difficult part, I think, was laying on the bathroom floor, um, you know, unable to get up and move. That was really, really difficult. And knowing that, you know, for a prolonged period of time that that was going to continue to be the case for me. Um, so being in it <laughs> was really emotionally burdensome um, and something that I, I learned and have a great deal of appreciation for now when I'm working with um, people who have cancer. So Holly, let's let's drill down a little bit for our listeners today. Um, I know you're now in contact with a lot of folks, a lot of folks reaching out to you have just been diagnosed. What are the first steps? What do I do? What, what, what are the important things for me to know or think about or consider as I sort of begin this process of managing this cancer journey, this cancer experience? Can, can, can we drill down to some practical tips that you would give to our listeners if they've just been diagnosed? Absolutely. Um, the first thing that I would say is to breathe. The majority of time, a cancer diagnosis is not an emergency. You have the time to understand the meaning and process the emotions of a diagnosis. The second is to build a team of caregivers, both personal in the form of family and friends and professional in the form of healthcare providers. One of the biggest lessons that I learned from my experience was that asking for help is actually a sign of strength not weakness. It took a cancer diagnosis, unfortunately, for me to learn that, but it is mm-hmm. an incredible lesson. And when you're building your team of healthcare providers, it's so important to remember that we are the consumers. We patients are the consumers. And just because an edict is laid down does not mean that that's the only option for you. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I'm always amazed by how much time we spend on buying a house, for example. We cross every T, we dot every I, we do the research. We'd never buy a house without having it inspected. Well, we need to approach our own health care from this perspective. And one one thing that people can do to become more empowered is to go to every appointment with a list of questions. I do this to this day. I go to my dentist with a list of questions because appointments go so quickly and it's so easy to walk out and feel as though your head is spinning and, oh, I didn't get to ask what I really wanted to know. So before you go to an appointment, write your questions down. And that sends a really... um, wonderful message too to your healthcare team to say, listen, I am fully engaged. I'm going to be your partner. You're not doing this alone. I'm not doing this alone. I want to understand and figure out how I can 
be fully engaged in the process. I think starting with those, you know, breathing, first and foremost, (laughs) building a team of caregivers, asking for help, and going to appointments with questions is is a really solid and hopeful place to start. You know, Holly, I hear a lot of, um, we talk a lot about the importance of second opinion, and um, I hear a lot of patients, especially perhaps, you know, our parents' generation, let's say, who um, who say, oh, I don't want to rock the boat, you know, this is my doctor, and, and or this is the doctor that my doctor sent me to, and, you know, I think a second opinion might offend him or upset him or or, uh, or rock the boat. What, what do you say to that? Well, absolutely, or I really like her. Well, I really like him. You know, <laughs> yeah, this is yeah, yeah. right. You don't. This is not about making a friendship. This is yeah. about your health, and you need to approach this as a professional endeavor, where it is objective first. In other words, you know, you're, you're thinking about things and you're thinking with clarity, and subjective. You know, fourth or fifth on the on the list. Right. This is not about making a friend or making somebody happy. I would be very concerned about the physician who is threatened by a second opinion. My oncologist welcomed them and encouraged me to get additional opinions when we were going through, um, uh, you know, circumstances where there were different options. So, you know, if you say to your doctor, I'm going to get a second opinion and they're threatened, that person is threatened, I'd be really concerned about that. And I would yeah. be I would be more inclined to give uh, the physician walking papers. Um, yeah. And so getting additional opinions, I think, is a really wonderful way to gather information and to be able to put it all together. Now, once you get this information, you need to sit with it, you need to process it, maybe you need to ask more questions, and then you need to listen to your intuition. Do what feels right. Not yeah. what feels best. It's not about pleasing other people. Listen right. to your intuition and say, yes, I'm supposed to be with this physician, or this treatment feels like the right thing for me. Or it doesn't. I think that too much of the time we, you know, people who go in or, you know, are thrust into the healthcare system are doubtful of themselves. But there's so much to be said for listening to that, that inner voice that will help yeah. guide you through the process. Yeah, because we always say to patients, there's not a right decision, there's a right decision for you. Exactly. And there are a lot of circumstances and factors that weigh into that. I um, love that. For phrase. sure. Um, Holly, before we go to break, we've got a couple minutes here. Um, uh, we do a lot of programs at Cancer Support Community for kids who have someone with cancer in the family. And we know that kids hold a lot of myths and misconceptions about cancer. They, they think it's contagious. They think maybe something they did caused the cancer. They think that everybody who has cancer dies. Um, uh, so we try to kind of bust those myths for kids and, and give them age-appropriate information about cancer. How did you talk to your daughter um, about cancer? And has, how has that conversation evolved as she's gotten older? Well, it was a kind of a silver lining for me that I had all of this experience in um, helping both, you know, children as patients as well as children of adults through very difficult circumstances. So uh, cognitively in my head, I knew what to do and how to do it, but in my heart, oh my goodness, it was the most emotionally burdensome thing I've ever had to do in my life was tell my daughter. And that helped give me another perspective on, on really what that's, what that's like. But I utilized, I pulled from my um, professional experience to know 
what she would understand, how much information to provide her with, and the the right environment in which to do so. And when I say how much information, you know, children want to know everything, but sometimes they don't need to know everything in one conversation. They, they can often digest smaller bits of information over a period of time. And so I, uh, it turns out that she knew exactly what was happening to me before I even told her. And I've seen this happen time and time again. But to have her literally tell me what was wrong with me before I told her was was incredibly um, remarkable and astonishing and just further verified the fact that uh, children always know. And Mm -hmm. when people you know, don't tell their children whether it's because they want to protect them or they're fearful. It's so important that everyone knows that children always know when something's going on. And the, the, the difficulty with not telling them is that they fill in the blanks their own imagination (laughs) yeah 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 absolutely no we find that to be absolutely true they definitely fill in the blanks with their own creative minds um we're talking to holly jacobs today the author of the silver lining a supportive and insightful guide to breast cancer Uh, we've got more to cover here on the show we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Hi, I'm Nick Nicolaitis, President and CEO of Morphotech, and we're delighted to be a sponsor of Cancer Support Community's Frankly Speaking About Cancer series. Morphotech and its parent company, Azi, are committed to human health care, and we recognize that patients and their families are the most important participants in the healthcare process. We salute our global advocacy partners who are devoted to improving the lives of people touched by cancer every day. Effective cancer treatment requires more than just medication or surgery. For the country's 12 million cancer survivors and their loved ones, the social and emotional challenges of adapting to life with cancer are ongoing. How to handle co-workers' questions, how to get comfortable with new physical realities, how to reassure worried family members, or explain to friends your priorities have changed. The Cancer Support Community is ready to help by providing free counseling, education, and hope for survivors and their caregivers. Whether online or at over 100 locations around the world, the Cancer Support Community is ready to offer the support you need to live a better life with cancer. For more information on support groups, publications, nutrition, exercise programs, and more, call 1-888-793-9355 or visit us online at www.cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. The Cancer Support Community, a global network of education and hope. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Frankly Speaking About Cancer with the Cancer Support Community, an inspirational program offering the resources you need to live a better life with cancer. Now here's your host, Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community. Welcome back to Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Our show is sponsored in part today by McKesson's Giving Comfort Program, Bristol-Myers Squibb and Morphotech. I'm Kim Tebaldo, and we're wrapping up another wonderful show with our friend Holly Jacobs. Um, Holly, have you felt like your experiences with blogging and speaking and, and writing this book um, you know, have been a way to, 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 to pay it forward to others who are um, at the beginning of the, the cancer journey? I mean, really, you know, how has this kind of process of giving back 
shaped your own view on the cancer experience, how you think about it today, how you think about it when you look back on your own experience? What's, what's that been like for you? It's absolutely uh, by writing the blog and writing the book and, and speaking and, and being with people either individually or in large groups is absolutely my way of giving giving back. Uh, you know, with 250,000 diagnoses each year, you know, there's, there's a huge, huge need for it. And I, I'm always amazed by how, despite the fact that, that you're one of 250,000 people who's diagnosed with breast cancer, there is such a commonality in feeling alone and feeling isolated. And every single person I've, I've spoken to has had that feeling at one time or another. And so to be able to help people know that they're not alone, that whether it's in the middle of the night or the middle of the day, that there is, is something in the form of this book that can really be there to support, guide, and comfort them throughout. Just as, just as you know, people who came before me helped make my experience more effective and more bearable. I feel so grateful that I have the opportunity to be able to give, to give back. And I think that the way that it has sort of changed me, I would say professionally, is that I now, having been in the bed, I have so much more patience literally, pun intended, with people who are going through difficult circumstances, any kind of cancer for that matter. And, um, and that patience and that empathy of having been in the bed, um, it makes me a better, a better clinician today, without a doubt. You know, I, um, I know we've had a great um, partnership, Holly, and I know there have been I think we have to thank so many of the generous people around the country who've, who've uh, underwritten uh, some copies of the book for us to get out to patients and families and communities around the country. And I just I want to I want to give them a shout out and give thanks to so many people who've made it possible for us to get thousands of copies of this book out into communities, into cities and smaller towns and communities around the country, folks maybe who wouldn't have the resources to, um, to access this beautiful resource otherwise. So I think that's been, um, I think it's been a wonderful partnership and I know more, uh, I know more to come and I, I, I know you're, you're still in the midst of, of getting this book out and, and of interviews and talking to folks and, and, um, but, uh, I have to ask Holly, I have to ask what's next for you. What's, uh, do you have other, um, projects in the works, other gaps that you think need to be filled where you want to be a part of that, other ideas that you have about um, reaching patients and families with these important resources? Yes, absolutely. And let me also reiterate the, the gratitude that I have for so many people who have underwritten the, the co- copies of the book to be distributed to people who wouldn't necessarily have access to it or the resources to purchase it. Mm-hmm. One of the things that many people don't know about me is I worked in the inner city of Chicago in the housing projects, and I also worked in the most rural parts of Illinois uh, with people who had intermittent electricity. I wrote this book as much for the people who live there who every day wake up and make a decision about whether to buy food or medication. I wrote this book as much for them as the person who can go to their local bookstore and purchase it. There are so many aspects of this disease that transcend the uh, socioeconomic status and cultural issues that link each and every person who's been impacted by the disease together. And so to be able to distribute the book to, to those 
folks is, is, is such an incredible silver lining of this experience. And in terms of next steps, I think my head is still kind of spinning a little bit. <laughs> and <laughs> I'm, um, you know, one of the things that is, um, is definitely, uh, coming, coming down the pike is to be able to bring the book to life so that, um, people will, I'll be talking with people, um, through video. And so there are, you know, many days where I literally, um, couldn't read a weekly magazine. You know, it was like, it was like, uh, reading complicated literature. And so to be able to um, go to people directly, whether it's in a, uh, you know, on a computer screen or a handheld device, and be able to talk with them and, and to be able to walk them through the process um, when they're overwhelmed and they can't read something and they can't, you know, sort of concentrate to be able to bring the book to life and to be able to communicate that way, I think is, is, um, is really important. And I think um, also is uh, there's a need for that as well. Yeah, no, I think that's, I think that's uh, a, a terrific. I mean, there's so many wonderful, you know, digital and electronic tools that are out there today to help us uh, reach patients. And we know that the data certainly shows us that more and more patients and consumers are accessing healthcare information and tips and monitoring their health and, you know, through a lot of the, the sort of digital um, solutions that are out there. So I, I think that, uh, that that sounds great. Um, Holly, we've only got a minute or two until we, uh, we are wrapping up here. Um, parting thoughts for our um, uh, uh, listeners, tips to find support, optimism to um, either as a patient or as a caregiver to really build a, a, a network of support to get you through this? Absolutely. I think it's so important, first of all, for people to know that they're not alone as they're, mm-hmm. as they're going through this. So whether it's reading the book or it's becoming engaged with the cancer support community, because I have to you know, talk about how wonderful cancer support community is. Um, being in Philadelphia was just such a, just a magical experience for me because I really saw the value of people coming together at various stages in their experience to uplift and support and encourage people throughout the entire experience. And another thing that I, I would say is, is no matter what, there is always hopefulness. There is always hope. I titled the book The Silver Lining because as I was going through my experience, I was literally as sick as a person could get. And whether I was laying on my bathroom floor or sitting on my sofa too weak to stand, I always looked for a glimmer of hope, a, a, what I called a silver lining. And, and it's not in a Pollyanna way where, oh, you know, silver linings, just look for silver linings and everything will be fine. The silver linings or that glimmer of hope literally helps and helped me get sometimes just from moment to moment, you know, whether it was a, a perfect cup of tea that helped mm. ease my nausea just a little bit or a hummingbird outside my window when I couldn't stand up, enabling people to be able to look for hopefulness, even on the darkest days, I think really helps get through whether it's a moment, an hour, a day, or an entire experience. And the, the ability to look for hope or silver linings transcends illness and applies to every experience that we have in life. Yes. And the one thing I know for sure is that if we look for a silver lining, there will always be one there. Yeah. Well, I think it's a great way to to, to, um, to wrap up the show. And, and Holly, you know, we certainly agree with you here 
at the cancer support community, and we're all about making sure that people don't have to face cancer um, alone. And if you're looking for uh, support, for resources, you want to get connected to our free services, um, you can call us at 888-793-9355 or visit us at cancersupportcommunity.org. You can find Holly's book, The Silver Lining, a supportive and insightful guide to breast cancer on, uh, on Amazon. You can learn more about it and follow her blog uh, at thesilverpen.com, uh, and I would encourage you uh, to do so. And that's also a great way to reach out to Holly to to, uh, to share your own thoughts and, and um, uh, experience. We're so grateful that we've had this wonderful experience um, with Holly Jacobs, and we encourage you to check out the book and check out the blog, and we encourage you to join us here at the Cancer Support Community to find support and information and resources. I'm Kim Tebaldo. This is Frankly Speaking About Cancer. Until next time, be well, do well, live well. Thank you for joining us for Frankly Speaking About Cancer with your host, Kim Tibaldo. We're here for you every Tuesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. In the meantime, stay connected online at cancersupportcommunity.org. That's cancersupportcommunity.org. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.